politics, sports, movies. You are listening to the Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. Welcome to the Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. My name is Frank. I'm the host of the show, and thank you for listening. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking the show out. If you're a return listener, thanks for coming back and continuing to listen. The show is available on the following podcasting apps. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and CastBox. If you listen to the podcast using one of these apps, please click subscribe, and this will allow you to receive notifications when new episodes are uploaded. This podcast covers three different subjects, sports, movies, and politics. Each episode is dedicated to one of these topics. You can follow the show on social media. The handle for Twitter is at BendYourEarPod. This is also the handle for Instagram. If you want to email the show, the email is BendYourEarPodcast at gmail.com. If you're not using a podcasting app to listen to the show, you can always get episodes directly from the website, which is www.LetMeBendYourEar.com. It's good to be back recording a new episode it's been a couple of months, uh, kind of busy time for me, like uh, everyone else in this country, dealing with the COVID-19 situation and the impact it's had on uh, all of our lives uh, in this country. Uh, I'm fortunate I'm able to still work, uh, but with two young children, it's kind of challenging to kind of navigate some of the other aspects of it. And my son is just back into school, uh, but I'm very excited to record this episode and discuss a movie from the 80s that I completely love. Before I get into the review, uh, the director and writer John Sayles is one of my favorite independent filmmakers. In the 80s, when I was in my late teens and really got into my love of film, I've loved movies since I was a young child, but in my teenage years, I really got into the serious study of film uh, not in a formal education, just by watching hundreds and hundreds of movies and and just really developing my love for film. And early on in that process, I discovered the writer-director, John Sayles, who, uh, if you know him, he is a independent filmmaker in one of the truest senses of the word. Uh, he basically is a writer first and has performed what's called script doctoring on many projects in Hollywood that you may be familiar with. A couple that come off the top of my head, Apollo 13. Uh, he started also working, as a lot of filmmakers did in the 70s, with the B-movie producer-director Roger Corman. So a lot of famous directors have gotten their start under Corman, like Martin Scorsese, Joe Dante, Brian De Palma, um, Ron Howard and other big-time directors have worked under Corman, James Cameron, uh, and John Sayles was no exception. Actually, one of early uh, screenplays of John Sayles is The Howling, the classic horror movie directed by Joe Dante, uh, and he also wrote the film Piranha, uh, which is considered a classic in the B-movie genre, elevated by his script. But... I discovered his movies in the 80s, and one of the first movies, actually I think the first movie of his I did see was this film that I'm going to review today, which is called Mate Juan. Now, a lot of people may have heard, may have not heard of this film, but uh, I've never been able to find it. I saw it on VHS in the late 80s. It was released in 1987, 
and I saw it the year it came out on video and was blown away by the movie. Uh, I was able to finally see that it was available uh, in the Criterion Collection and unsolicited advertisement. If you do collect Blu-rays and are a film buff, I would highly recommend any film that you love that's available through Criterion, I would definitely get that. Obviously, in the digital age, most of the films that I buy, there's two types of films usually that I buy now, is the ones for my son, uh, so the kids' movies, uh, and that's all purchased digitally. But uh, the one exception I made for tangible uh, DVD purchases is... Uh, criterion movies of movies that I particularly love. If you go a couple episodes back, uh, I reviewed The Player, the Robert Altman film that I saw on Criterion. I also have a Criterion copy of The Fisher King that I need to watch, another film that I haven't watched in a long time. Uh, so I'll be reviewing that film in a future episode. But again, today's episode is going to be the film Mate One. And as I stated, it came out in 1987. It is based on the true story of the Mate One massacre. And what happened in this particular situation was this is a classic story of early union activity versus a company that has a stronghold in a town, in this case in Matewan. Uh, it's basically a coal mining story. So the coal miners are working, obviously, you're talking about the 1920s where they're working 12, 14, 16 hour days for, for very little pay and uh, a lot of hard work and of course the dangerous conditions of working in a coal mine and of course all the health implications uh, of doing that for long periods of time. So the cast includes Mary McDonald, James Earl Jones, David Strathern and the first performance from actor or his, the debut film for actor Chris Cooper. So as the film opens, Chris Cooper plays a union organizer that kind of sneaks into town to uh, organize the workers in the Matewan coal mine. So obviously the conditions as they're set up in the film are pretty dire. So you have the workers that are local and then there's a ethnic and racial element because other workers are shipped in from other places. You have African-American workers that come in, uh, Italian immigrants that come in as well. So you have that kind of racial tension. Uh, James O. Jones plays uh, one of the leaders of the African-American contingent of minors that are brought into the town. So those things kind of come together as Chris Cooper's character comes in to organize and hopefully set up a union in this town. So it's very apparent when you watch the film early on that the company basically owns the town. So the way it was set up is the coal mining company owned all the property in town, of course, the coal mine. So basically the workers were at the complete control under the complete control of the coal miner to the of the coal mining company to the point where, as you see, the company store so if you're not aware of what the quote-unquote company store is there's a great scene early in the film that basically describes that as you come in you're hired and all your equipment your uniform you the places that you stay are given to you or excuse me they're sold to you by the coal mining company so before you work your first day there they've already got you in debt because they're fronting you the cost for supplies, food, 
housing, and that's taking against you the the pay that you haven't even earned yet. So you start working at the coal mine already in debt, having to pay that back. So that's the situation that is set up there, and obviously the workers have no leverage, no control, no ability to to push back because this is one of the few jobs that are available in this area, if not the only job where you can make any kind of living. So essentially the workers have no leverage. And of course, the the beginning of union organizing and collective bargaining during this period is obviously to help combat that and to, to provide more power to the worker against any kind of corporation. So that's the setup of the film. So the film is beautifully acted by all the parties involved especially david strathern as the sheriff of the town uh, who is sympathetic to the coal miner situation and protective of them as well chris cooper is outstanding as the union organizer um kevin teague the actor that you may know in the 70s he was in the emergency uh, television series if you go back that far he was also in lost and he's done several films he plays the union representative or the the enforcer that he hires that the company hires to come into the town and kind of basically union bust or try to find out or root out who's there undercover trying to start the union and his sidekick is played by the actor gordon clapp if you know him he's been in other sales movies as well including eight men out and he was also Metavoy on NYPD Blue, if you're familiar with that television show. He's kind of his sidekick henchman, so they're both very good as the as the heavies in the movie. So the movie is a slow burn over its running time as the union is trying to organize under the cover of night without people finding out because back in this time period, to start a union in a town like this was basically literally dangerous to the point where there would be threats of violence against anyone trying to start a union so the union busting wasn't just about uh maybe losing your job or things like that that was part of it as well but there was physical threats of violence that would be and was done in this time so as the union attempts to organize as the workers attempt to stand up they actually go on strike and then the film continues to to discuss and go into the different contingents of people in the movie so you have the the company the henchmen the workers and their families and how they're affected so all of those things are woven beautifully together like i said the the racial tensions that you see at the beginning of the film uh, start to i wouldn't say go away but they the the different ethnicities the african-american workers the white workers the uh italian immigrants that are there all quickly realize that despite their differences and, and ethnic prejudices that they're all fighting for the same thing and you see them unite for a common cause and which is the whole backbone of what unions are in america i know you know over the last few decades unions are, are very polarizing in a certain degree because people think uh that they've taken advantage of things and there's been a bad rap on unions but there's still pretty people there are a lot of people in this country that are pro-union and i know union effectiveness has decreased over the years i think there's a lot of people that believe that there's really not a need 
as there used to be for unions because quote unquote the the situations in 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 employers have changed so much where workers have gotten a lot of power and and there's competitive jobs out there for people that are talented to get with good pay and good benefits and benefits are pretty much a standard operating procedure in most professional environments but this film does a really good job of going back to the beginning of when unions really were something that was important because companies and this is i think that was the push and pull between um if you want to get political between conservative and liberal differences that difference that push and pull between if any industry or company or anything is unregulated, then unfortunately the people with the leverage, which is usually the people that own companies or the people with the money, which means they have the power, unfortunately will, maybe not to the extent that they did in this film, will uh, abuse it and take advantage of labor and the collective bargaining of the workers that started in the early 20th century has has basically made what we have today it was the seeds of the things that we take for granted today the 40-hour work week child labor laws benefits the ability to collectively bargain to get better salaries so all of those things this film really points out how important that was to the history of this country and i think it's a good reminder again not to be political but i think it's a good reminder that collective bargaining is something that it still has a place in society in certain industries uh, where the labor has little to no leverage. So I think there is a place for it. And I think this film does demonstrate that. And it does it in a very entertaining and thought-provoking way. Again, John Sales' main talent is, is a writer. He's a great director as well, but his writing is fantastic. The script is fantastic. Uh, I'm going to review other films of his in future episodes. Like I said, he's one of my favorite uh, writer-directors, but this film is no exception. Uh, the other thing I want to point out is the beautiful, beautiful cinematography of Haskell Wexler. Uh, the film is beautifully shot. Uh, the interiors in the coal mine, the exteriors in the town, just it's beautifully shot. That's one of the things about this movie. As I said, I was 17 years old when I first saw this film and the the cinematography struck me uh, in this film like I said it's a lower budget simple film that tells a straightforward story but in a very dramatic and very heartfelt and very entertaining way and like I said it's a slow burn as you see it's almost it's 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 a testament to the film because inevitably you know that this is going to end in a confrontation that's not going to go well but it's just the, the tension leading up to that you could just see the inevitable outcome of where all these characters are going to end up and it's going to be at a confrontation on which the movie is based on uh, on the Maitwan massacre so you'll you'll see everything come to a head and it's just uh, there's an explosive finale to the movie and not in a exploitive way or not in a way just to be shocking. It's just telling a story straightforward. And again, the lead up to it, it's really what's great. It's just the, the acting is is good throughout the 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 way he evokes that time period and the and the struggles and the the fact that these workers were powerless to do anything. But then once. The union representative comes into town, talks to them and tells them and convinces them that they do have power and the power is in numbers. And when they realize that and they 
take a stand and go on strike and uh, make a encampment where they take care of each other and feed each other and have that sense of community even among the ethnic lines and and all the all the all the issues that the groups have with each other they come together it's very dramatic and it's very well done how you see that evolve to the inevitable conclusion of of what ends up happening but again great acting across the board again mary mcdonald david strathane uh chris cooper uh kevin teague gordon clapp and again, the cinematography of Haskell Wexler is fantastic. I highly, highly recommend this film. Again, it's available. Uh, it should be on the Criterion channel, I would think. I don't have that app. I know they stream a lot of those movies, so I don't know if they circle through or cycle through them. But if you have that, check it out there. You can purchase it. I bought it on Amazon if you uh, want to purchase it to have. Um, I don't know if it's streaming anywhere else. I think it may be a harder movie to find. But I would highly recommend that you seek it out if you are a fan of John Sayles or if you've never heard of his work. Uh, this is a good movie to start with. Like I said, it's excellent. And like I said, I'm going to review other films of his that I I've seen uh, that I love as well but this is one of my favorite of his films it's fantastic uh, again it came out in 1987 it's available on Criterion uh, the name is Matewan and like I said I think it's going to be well worth your time and I highly recommend this film um, it was always concerning I haven't seen this film in a very long time so when you revisit a film after a couple of decades you know I'm a lot older now you're always concerned somewhat because when you have a memory of how much you love a film back then and rewatching it again recently for this podcast i have to say it's it's just as powerful and brilliant and beautifully shot and as i remembered before and i'm glad i own it i love the film and i highly recommend it so based on that i'm going to give mate one four and a half van goghs out of five thank you for listening to the show if you're listening to the show on Apple Podcasts or any other podcasting app, please take a moment to rate and review. This is a quick and easy way you can help the show attain a higher profile in searches when people are seeking out new podcasts. Another way you can help raise the profile of the podcast if you enjoyed what you heard or you think a friend might like it is to share the episode on your social media. This is another easy way to help the show reach a wider audience. The show is available on the following podcasting apps, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and CastBox. Episodes can also be downloaded directly from the website at www.letmebendyourear.com. If you want to email the show, the email is bendyourearpodcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening to the show, and I hope everyone has a great week.